Now, a lot of times when Jesus would tell a parable, he would tell it to the masses and to the crowds, and then immediately afterwards, he would pull his disciples up close and say, hey, I wanna explain to you what I just said. Here's the, the story. You heard the parable, but I want to explain to you what the spiritual truth is. We have something unique in, in, this, in this parable and that from the very beginning in verse one, Luke tells us the purpose of the parable. We don't have to wonder from the beginning as we're going through the parable. We know exactly what Jesus wants us to know. And it's this, Luke 18, one. Now he, Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Jesus was telling the parable with this one purpose, that we ought to pray and to never lose heart. The New Living Translation says it this way. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And as that's the point of Jesus' parable, that's our point this morning. So when we're 20 minutes in and you haven't heard me say point one yet, it's because this is the point. We're gonna walk through this, walk through the parable, and see how Jesus is encouraging us to always pray and to never give up. So often we bring our request to the Lord and then we move on to the next thing. Or we continue to, to ask for something and then we get discouraged and we give up, we lose heart. We lose the energy and the, the passion we need to continue bringing our requests before the Lord. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself this morning is that each one of us would learn to pray always and to never give up. Jesus begins the parable in verse two. He says, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and he did not respect man. Now this judge is missing the two things that motivates most people in life to make a good decision. Either we have a fear of God and we're gonna do something because it's what God has told us to do, or we have a respect for other men and I'm going to act in a certain way so that you will think well of me. But this judge was missing both of those things. And as a result, what you end up with is somebody who is only concerned with their comfort and only concerned with what they want to do. You have somebody who will only do that which is right in their own eyes. And that's amazing to think of anybody being described like that, but especially a judge. When you, when you think about in the Old Testament, when God established judges over Israel, their intent was when the people would have a dispute, when they would have a misunderstanding, when there would be a problem with the people, they would come to the judge and the judge would take the word of God, which was the law, and he would look at it and he would apply it to the situation and have discernment on what they ought to do. The judge's role was, was not just to pick what they thought was right. The judge's role was to look at the law, the, the word of God, and to discern and to know what you are supposed to do in a situation. But for somebody who has no fear of God, no reverence for his word, you can't really have any true wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 9, 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. The knowledge one, the knowledge of the Holy One, that is understanding. So from the beginning of this parable, we see a, a judge who cares more about himself than he does anybody else. You see a judge, a man who cares more about his own comfort than he does any justice, righteous judgment. And you see a man who cares more about making sure that he is happy, a man who has absolutely no understanding of who he is meant to be as a judge. Jesus moves on in verse three and introduces us to a second person in the parable. He says, there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. But for a while, he, the judge, was unwilling. 
We start with a judge, a, a person of power and prominence in the city, and somebody who had great authority, and now we move to a widow. This widow represents somebody who is poor, who is needy, who is helpless, who is oppressed in many ways. This judge was set up so that if somebody had a dispute, they could bring that dispute before the judge, and so this woman had this problem, she had an adversary, and she needed help, so she brings it to the judge day after day after day. For whatever reason, the, the judge decides not to, to respond, to, he's unwilling to help her with her need, but she keeps coming and keeps coming day after day. We don't know exactly why the judge refused to, to deal with the situation. Maybe it's just because he was lazy and didn't wanna deal with it. Maybe he was just so interested in his comfort that he didn't wanna have to mess with him. You know, it's possible that her opponent that we hear about, maybe he's a person of prominence and power in the city. And maybe ruling on behalf of the widow would have brought him trouble. Maybe it would have brought him social problems or political problems, we don't know. But regardless of why the judge didn't act, uh, act towards the widow, we know that he was unwilling. So day after day, week after week, she keeps showing up and she keeps asking, day and night. Jesus continues in verse four and says that for a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said this to himself, even though I do not fear God, and even though I do not respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. You see, this judge had no intention of taking care of this widow. He wasn't even really paying attention to her need. It wasn't something that concerned him. He did not respect man and he did not fear God. He made that very clear. But there was one thing that was able to motivate him to action. It was the persistence of the widow. In his own words, because she wouldn't stop bothering him, because she was wearing him out, he was going to answer her request. Now, my wife Rose and I have four kids. My oldest is Asa, you see him up there, he's five. Then that's Augie, he is three and a half, that's very important. And then you have our twin uh, girls who are two years old, Meg and Ellie. Now, this is, uh, we have four children who are age five and under, but a fun fact is that when the twins were first born, our oldest, Asa, was about a month away from turning three. So when the twins were born, we had four kids who were age two and under. So as you can imagine, it was a crazy season that involved a lot of diapers in our house. At one point, we, uh, we looked at it and, and realized, did the math, and realized that in our own house, with just our own kids, every week we were changing 230 diapers every single week. I'm happy to report that the oldest two are no longer in diapers, and we hope the next two are closely behind them. Fast forward to today. My kids like to ask questions. They are curious, they like to, to learn things, and they like to, in a lot of ways, get their way. So sometimes they'll come to me and they'll ask me a question and I'll say, hey, we can't do that right now. And that answer goes straight over their head and they'll ask again. And we'll ask again and again. And finally, one time I'll say, hey, we can't do this right now. And one time it finally clicks and they understand. But that's not the end of it because what happens next? They ask the next question, it's the ultimate question, why? And what they've learned is that no matter how many times I answer that question why, they can just ask why again and it still works. They can keep asking that question over and over again. It's the question that just keeps giving in a lot of ways. And it is a question that can make you feel absolutely insane if it's asked with enough persistence and with repetition. 
That is exactly where this judge found himself. He was so tired of hearing the same question over and over again that finally, even though he didn't care about this widow, he did not care what happened to her, but simply for his own comfort and his own benefit and just to get the question to stop, he decided to give her what she needed. Jesus now turns in verse six to apply the parable. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, as a reminder, what did he say? Because this widow will not stop bothering me, because she is wearing me out, I'm gonna give her what she asked for. So hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him both day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you this, that he will bring about justice and he will do it quickly. When Jesus makes his application, he does so by contrasting this wicked, unjust judge to God. See, this wicked judge had no intention of taking care of this widow, but because she kept asking and kept asking, he finally gave in. And that's exactly how Jesus is telling us that we ought to pray, that we need to keep asking and keep asking and to always pray and to never give up. Jesus says, hey, if this willing, if this judge is unwilling, who is unwilling to even pay attention to this widow, if with enough persistence, if, she was, if he was willing to give this widow what she needed, how much more will God take care of his children? You see, this judge had no care for this woman, did not care what happened to her. In fact, he hoped to never see her again. He gave her what she asked for so that she would go away. But God loves you and God cares about you, and he wants the very best for you. So why would we ever give up bringing our request before the Lord? Jesus made this point in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 9 and following when he said this, what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, if you, being sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Mentioned earlier that Rose and I have four young kids, and my kids really are one of the greatest joys of my life. I love spending time with them. I like talking about them. Every chance I get, I show pictures of them. And I love talking about my kids. I love spending time with them. And I love taking care of my kids. It is truly an honor that I have to make sure that they have the food that they need, that in the summer that they stay cool, in the winter they stay warm, that they have the clothing that they need and they have the protection that they need. But as much as I enjoy that, as much as I enjoy taking care of my kids, I really like giving them those extra things. It's not always a big thing. Sometimes it's on the way home, stopping by and getting a dozen donuts that they will devour within the first few minutes of my arrival. Sometimes, like this last May, it was taking them on a trip to the beach and getting an opportunity to see them running down the ocean and, and playing in the sand. But as a father, it brings me great joy and great delight to take care of my children. And I'm a sinful person who makes a lot of selfish decisions. A lot of times, I make decisions that are best for me and maybe nobody else. I make the wrong choices all the time. And if I, being sinful, know how to love and give good gifts to my children, how much more does our heavenly Father love and give good gifts to each one of his children? Jesus loves taking care of you. God loves looking out for you and giving you those extra things that just make you happy. God loves to bless his children. 
And here's what Jesus is telling us to do, that we ought to pray and to never give up. We need to pray with consistency, with determination, and we need to pray in the same way that that widow cried out to the judge, both day and night. Always pray and never give up. Listen to what Jesus said in, earlier in Luke, in Luke 11, verses nine and following about how we are to pray. He says this, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now I'm about to get a little nerdy and very technical with you but if you can stick with me for about 60 seconds I promise you this is gonna be worth it. So you look at those three words, ask, seek, and knock. And those words are all found in what is the present active imperative. I already lost some of you, so I'm gonna get you guys to come back in for a second. I'm gonna tell you what every single one of those words means. Because I, quite honestly, had no idea what they meant until somebody explained this to me. And I never forgot it. And I hope that this will help bring this to life for you. See, when you look at a, a present tense, that means this is something that's happening right now. This isn't a past thing, this isn't a future thing, this is something that's happening right now. This is something that you are actively involved in in this moment. The active voice tells you that this is something that you have to actively do. This isn't something that's going to happen to you. You're not just gonna sit passively and this is gonna come by and just happen to happen to you. This is an active thing that you are responsible for doing. This is an intentional act on your behalf. So it's happening right now. It's an intentional act on your behalf. And it's an imperative. What does that mean? It's a command. It's, this is not a suggestion that Jesus gives. This is a demand. There's an urgency here. This is something that we are required to do. And so you put those three words together and those ideas of this being in the present active imperative. And what does that mean? It really means that these words can be better maybe understood by saying, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Now the issue that most of us have is that when we run into a problem in our life, we do ask and we keep asking Google. A lot of times we seek and we keep seeking the advice of all of our friends. And we knock and we keep knocking on all the wrong doors, but we neglect what Jesus has told us to do and that we ought to pray always and to never give up. See, prayer is not just a one-time thing where you throw up this prayer and you hope it gets to the right destination and then you go and do the real work and take care of the problem. The Bible says that prayer is the real work. It's a continual thing, it's a desperate thing, it's an intentional thing, and it's hard work. A lot of times we, we think of, of prayer and we think, oh, I'm just gonna say this little prayer and take care of that, where prayer really is the hard work that we're called to be engaged with. And Jesus knew it was hard. That's why he encouraged us to pray and to not lose heart. He knew that we would have a tendency to lose heart when we prayed. He, he knew it was hard, that's why he told us to never give up. When you look at the example of Jesus in the garden, the night of his betrayal, he's praying with, with deep anguish and, and he asks his disciples to come alongside him and pray alongside him. And what you see is you see these disciples fall asleep. Jesus stops praying and comes over, wakes them up and says, hey, can you, can you please pray? This is important, this is urgent. And he goes and prays a little, a little longer and comes back and what do, you, what do you find? He finds them asleep again. And Jesus asks them, could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Now I know for me it's easy to read that story and to, 
and to think, man, how, how could they have possibly fallen asleep in this moment? This night of all nights, can you imagine seeing Jesus over there in, in great despair and, and sweating? He's praying so hard. He's so concerned about what's happening and he's preparing himself spiritually and mentally and physically for the night and the day that's to come. How could they fall asleep? Well, the Gospel of Luke in the account gives us a bit of information that the others don't. It says this, that Jesus found them sleeping with anguish, with sorrow. And what you see is that this was a heavy thing that they experienced. I don't think they fell asleep because they were bored or just because they were tired. I think they fell asleep because of the weight of the matter. They fell asleep because they were in such anguish, such despair, and the work of prayer was so hard that it wore them out and they fell asleep. The question is, do we pray like that? And do we understand that prayer is the hard work? Instead of always praying and never giving up, I know I have a tendency to often, sometimes pray, and to often give up. We need to learn how to have the faith that it takes to push through and to understand this is hard work. And listen here to the end of this verse, in, in the end of this parable, in verse eight, when Jesus asked the question that brings this whole thing full circle, he asked his disciples, and I believe this is the question he's asking every single person in this room this morning. He says in verse eight, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes, will he find us as a people full of faith or will we be found faithless? When Jesus comes, and I believe he's in this room right now, and he's looking at each one of our hearts, does he see somebody with faith or with a lack of faith? I'm not asking if he sees you in church. I'm not asking if he sees you doing good works. I'm asking, how is your faith? Do you have faith? Do you have faith when the Son of Man comes? Will he see faith in your heart? You say, well, if you're not talking about church attendance, if you're not talking about good deeds, then what are you talking about? How do you even measure faith? I believe that this is the fact that this is placed where it is tells us and gives us context to know how Jesus is measuring the faith in this instance. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth right after telling this parable? And what was the purpose of the parable? To teach us that we ought to always pray and to never give up. And so I wanna challenge you this morning, that is the measure of our faith. Are we praying and always, always praying and never giving up? Or do we give up when it comes to prayer? See, a lot of times I think we don't pray desperately because we don't have a desperate faith. A lot of times we don't think that we need God to come through from this situation. Either that or we don't think he will. And so we take it on ourselves and we try to do the work ourselves and we're gonna throw up a few prayers here and there and, and maybe just do it just because that's what we're supposed to do, but then we're gonna try to work it all out on our own. But Jesus is saying, always pray and never give up. God is really, really good to his children. Now, that doesn't mean that he, if you just ask enough, this is not what I'm saying this morning, that if you just keep asking enough, God is gonna give you exactly what you ask for. God will not always give you exactly what you ask for, but he will give you something better if not what you're asking for. You see, because God is, is looking at it from a different perspective. My children come to me all the time and ask for things that I know would hurt them and would not be good for them. And as a loving father, I'm not going to give them the thing that would hurt them but I'll try and find something that would be better for them to have. And Jesus does the same thing. When we pray, he doesn't always give us exactly what we ask for, but this is what he does. He gives us exactly what we would have asked for if we knew what he knew.
He always gives us the best. When you follow Jesus and you cast your burdens on him and you send every problem you have to him and you continually pray and never give up, he carries your burdens with you. Sometimes he'll remove those problems, but in the, in the times that he doesn't remove those problems, he'll carry you through them. He will never let you down. You don't have to bear any of these burdens and these troubles alone. I don't know what it is this morning that's in your heart that's distracting you, like Drew was talking about at the beginning, what it is in your heart right now that's distracting you. Are you praying about it and never giving up? I wanna challenge you to do that this morning. David wrote this in Psalm 22, four and five. To you, O God, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and they were delivered. In you they trusted and they were not disappointed. I wanna tell you this morning that those that follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus with all your heart and soul, your mind and strength and you love him and you're following him and you're praying and you're never giving up, you will never leave that relationship disappointed. It might turn out a little different than you had hoped. It might turn out different than you had planned. But if you are following Jesus, Jesus will never disappoint you. In fact, if you are ever disappointed, I think it's a, a sign that maybe your faith is in the wrong spot. And that when we follow Jesus, we can always pray and never give up and he will take care of us. Faith really is an amazing thing. In reading through the gospels, the only thing I've ever found Really two only things that I've ever found that, that Jesus, the Bible says, that he was amazed at or that he marveled at. The first was faith. Every once in a while he would encounter somebody who would believe and would say something and put their full trust in Jesus and the Bible said that he would be amazed and he would marvel at their faith. The other thing that would marvel, he would marvel at and he would be amazed at was their lack of faith. Sometimes people would come to him and, and ask and they wouldn't really believe and and the Bible would say that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And so if Jesus is marveling and amazed at somebody's faith, that means it's not common. It's not everywhere. So here's the question for you. Do you want to have an uncommon faith? Do you want to have a faith that always prays and never gives up? Do you want to have a faith that amazes Jesus? If so, you need to learn to trust the Lord and to take your request to him in prayer, day and night, just like the widow did to the judge, day after day, week after week, bringing the request before the Lord. Somebody once said that if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And I believe that's the truth with prayer. If you fail to plan how you're going to pray and when you're going to pray, then ultimately you're planning to fail in your prayer life. See, I don't know anybody that has ever accidentally learned how to pray. It's hard work, it takes intentional effort. And what you need, if you want to pray and never give up, you need a plan. It doesn't matter what that plan is. I know some people have, uh, like Brother Steve uses little business cards that he keeps in his pocket. I know some people who will have prayer journals and they'll write their full prayers out. I personally like to use an app on my phone that walks through and helps me keep track of my prayers and if I haven't prayed by a certain time in a day through, through my request, it'll pop up and remind me, hey, you still need to pray. Right here in the lobbies, in the east and west lobby this morning, we have Mission Memphis coming up. You'll hear more about it at the end of the service. But there's these little prayer coins. I encourage you to pick one up as you leave today in either the east or the west lobby. Keep it in your pocket, and when you put your hand in your pocket and you feel it, maybe that will be what you need to remind you to pray. Maybe this can be your plan for the week. But I encourage you, whatever it is, to get a plan. There are a lot of plans out there, but I'll tell you which one is the best. It's the one that you use. 
the one that works for you. Brother Steve often says that I like my plan better than the one that you don't have. So I encourage you to get a plan. If you're looking for some resources, I encourage you to pull out your phone and you can text the word pray to 901901 and it'll send you a link to a book called Circle Maker that's been a uh, great impact on my prayer life that really teaches how you can draw circles around your prayers and continue to circle around them and continue to pray and to never give up. A very easy read, a very practical read, but one that will challenge you to always pray and never give up. There'll also be a link on there that will give you an a, a link to the app that I like to use when it comes to prayer requests. You don't have to use either of those resources, but make sure you have a plan. If you cannot think right now what your plan is for prayer, then you need to have a plan. So I encourage you to, to get a plan. Second of all, you need accountability. You might have every intention this morning to, to pray and to never give up, and you say, this is what I wanna do. I want to have faith. When Jesus comes back, I want him to look at me and to see faith. But tomorrow, you're gonna face opposition, and the reality that prayer is hard work is going to, going to hit. Or maybe it's gonna be next week. And you need accountability. You need somebody that's going to check up on you and know that you have a desire to pray and just simply ask you, how's your prayer life? They don't have to know everything you're praying for. They don't need to know all the details about what's going on. But you need somebody that's going to hold you accountable to prayer. I'll tell you this. I really, really do not like going to the gym. Let me tell you how much I don't like it. I don't go. So that's how much I don't like going to the gym. But for two years or two to three years, I was very consistent in going to the gym twice a week, Monday and Wednesday morning at six o'clock. Do you know why I went? Because Drew Tucker was gonna be there and if I didn't show up, I was gonna have to answer that question later in the week of where was I and saying I decided to sleep in a little bit this morning wasn't going to do it. You see, when it comes to going to the gym, accountability works. If you know somebody's gonna ask you that question, you're more likely to go. And I believe it still works for prayer as well. If you are going to be accountable to somebody in prayer, you're more likely to pray. And when it is hard work, and it always is, it's enjoyable, but it's hard. And when it's hard and you get discouraged, you'll have somebody that walks alongside you that encourages you to pick it back up and continue to pray and to never give up. When Jesus looks at you this morning, does he see faith? I wanna encourage you to, to ask that question, does Jesus see faith in your life? You know, as long as we are on this earth, we will never reach the end of our faith journey. We will always be taking the next step with the Lord and constantly growing deeper in our relationship and taking that next step until you get to heaven, until you get face to face with Jesus and look him in the eyes, you will always have a next step that you can take when it comes to your faith. For some of you, you might be here this morning and say, you know, Noah, I've never taken the first step. I don't even know what this means. I've, I don't pray and never give up, but I've, I've really, really never prayed. And, and I don't have a relationship with God. I don't feel like he's my father who loves me. I don't feel like I can go to him anytime. If you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I wanna ask you this question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for?